ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prater. Steal the show. to the great Scott show on a give me all you got Friday. Give me all you got football Friday. I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited. We got Devin snow on in the eight o'clock hour, the red beans and rice guy, greatest tradition in the world. He's coming up at eight. By, by by request for many of you, but always requested, has been a member of this Friday edition of the Great Scott Show since 2008. Just means we're getting older, Gus. Gus Cattengale, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, kicking off the show with us this morning during his, I'm guessing, his dog walk. But his weather's, just, just weather, this weather's killing it. I mean, it's, how about this weather, dude? It's nice. I just I'm looking down at my shoes and they're a little wetter than they have been the last couple of days. It means the old humidity's coming back. So. Well, it's <laughs> still, it was still it, decent it was nice here for a couple of days. It was still it was decent nice here this days. morning, but obviously, you know, we're we're west of you. But um, man, I mean, we got a lot to get into. Uh, did you watch any of the Thursday night game last night? I did. I did. Um, you know, it, it's really incredible. The um, the quarterback play, just really the, the feel of it all, and and really, out of those two teams, you know, just just battle, man. And tell you, man, it's one of those things where if if you got a guy that can make some plays at, at quarterback, and at the eight, you know, at the same time, Richard Sherman was saying at the end of the game too, you know, some of those defensive players for the Chargers could have changed the game if they oh. held on to the football and made some interceptions. Yeah. I, I felt like Pat Mahomes could have thrown six interceptions. Absolutely, you know, but um. Dude, it's nuts, man. You go back to, I mean, the play that changed everything was the pick six in the end zone. And, you know, I keep saying this, man, and I don't know, Scott, if it's on the coach or not, but, you know, you you know I've said it on my show, too, when it comes to talk about Sean and his future with Peyton, that is. And the Chargers are a team that, I, that I've brought up because of their head coach. And, you know, he's all about tempo and trying to do that. And the guy that they're trying to throw the football to looks like he's about to throw up on he, the field. Gus, trying to he, check I out mean, the you're right. Like Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels, they, they pointed it out and they did a great job on the broadcast. Like, Everett, caught, he, after that play where he's just, you know, rumbling down inside the five yard line, yeah. he asked to come out of the game because he was absolutely gassed. He asked to come out. Like, no, 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 stay, stay, stay. And yes, you want to go up tempo, but sometimes, man, 
you know, you don't you don't think about the exhaustion it is on certain players. He was gassed, and no. that's not an excuse. You can't stop on your route. You can't, and that's what led no. to the pick no six. Doubt. And he didn't even bother trying to catch the guy. He was so tight, he just threw his mouthpiece down. He couldn't even down. walk. I mean, he, yeah. he was wobbling. He looked like he had gotten the right hook right, right at right. the one-yard line, right when the pass was intercepted. He literally took two steps, and his head is down. And you can see with the, it's either spit or something's coming out of his helmet, Scott. And, and, and again, I, I, you're right. I mean, you, you can't give it up, you know, and I, and I saw some players, you know, tweet and suck it up and all that. I mean, man, that's real easy to say. I'm not in that thing. But more importantly, man, it, it's sort of like it, it's the thing that I have with these coaches that have been hired that were quote-unquote offensive coordinators, underhead coaches that were calling plays, whether it's McDaniels, uh, you know, in in Miami, when Kyle Shanahan essentially does that, right? It's the reason why no one wants to give the enemy perhaps the shot or something. But you know, you look at literally what happened with Nathaniel Hackett on Monday. I mean, he well, that was a, that was a offensive coordinator yeah. guy, right? I mean, look, I keep saying this over and over: hire coaches, man, hire coaches, and it, you, it, it's hard. It takes time. Now, will these guys get better the more they do it? Sure. But, Scott, I opened up the show Monday, and I tell you another guy that you know that I've always said, another dude that will be on the hot seat, and which is crazy because he went to the Super Bowl and they gave him an extension for some reason. That's that guy in Cincinnati, Zach Taylor. You know, Joe Burrow can't be stacked seven times, dude, in the opener. And I don't want to hear Pittsburgh has a good defense and all that. It's literally the reason you lost the Super Bowl. It's literally how you almost didn't get to the Super Bowl last year, and it, it, it's darn near criminal that you would have the season open and he throws three picks and seven, you yeah, know. Five um, turnovers, four, four interceptions. Right, I mean, he, was... I mean and se- he got sacked seven times. I'm like, because and I go back to the reason I'm sitting there going, and I'm feeling like this, is I just go back to something that I don't know if I've mentioned to you in the past. I probably did, but that playoff game against the Titans, I'm going back and forth with a buddy of mine. He covers the Saints. Sean DMs him off of a tweet that he posted about how bad and poor the offensive line play is playing by the Bengals. And, you know, he screenshots it to me and sends it to me. And it's Sean Payton saying this is what they need to do, but it's literally specifically about the protection. And, it, again, I don't know if that would have fixed it. You know, and we can sit there and say, well, Gus, you know, the Saints have had issues with protection. I understand that, but. There's a reason why he was a good coach, and that's experience, and that's understanding some things. And I think a lot of these quote-unquote play callers, play designers, they don't think about that from that aspect of it. You know, that that's what I'm looking at yesterday. You know, it's I know you want to go tempo. I know you have momentum and all that stuff. This is a chance to win on the road. You take your time. You, you make sure you have the right play call. You know, you you, you just you're inside the five, man. It's like you you can't rush it. And, you know, at the end of the day, wound up costing him. And he still had a chance there at the end. It was that guy who um, is incredible, Herbert, man. I think he plays his best in the fourth quarter with a deficit. And I hope he's okay with, with broken rest, ribs. You know, but, it, it was oh. – the, the game was very – a reminder that, like, even though they're in L.A., they're still just the Chargers. I mean, the roster is super talented. They outplay the Chiefs the majority of the night. They have a couple of uh, uh, calls that are bad calls by the refs to go against them. I mean, the, the, but two interceptions, you know, one they called the defensive hole, which was horrendous. Another one they claimed Samuel didn't catch it, which he did. Um, and then just an absolutely crippling 
like huge. I mean, there's no bigger turn in a in a sporting event in a football game anyway than a pick six that goes the distance, right? The yeah, whole yeah, length yeah, of the field. Right. No, I mean it's it's a 14 point swing in a matter of seconds. I mean, yeah. there's nothing bigger than that. It was the backbreaker and. The only thing it was missing was a couple of just crucial missed kicks, and then it would have been full-on chargers. I mean, this is a team I have a futures on. I, I, I think they've got incredible talent. They didn't even have Keenan Allen, who's you know one of the best receivers in the league last night. And they were still there on the road on a short week, and they could have won it, and you know they, they didn't. And the Chiefs, even when they don't play their best, you know the ball seems to bounce their way, right side of a couple of calls, Patrick Mahomes, they win the game. It, it felt very much like that from a from a production standpoint. What do you make of? I, I thought I thought you know. Uh, first of all, Amazon. I I know that 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 older folks were. I mean, I've got I have smart TVs. That's what I watch TV. So it right. wasn't it wasn't a big deal to me. But I can't believe I didn't think about it until I saw someone tweet it last night. And like I'm, I was almost mad that I hadn't even thought about it. You know, it's hard to change the channel and, and, and surf when you're watching Amazon Prime, and you're less mm-hmm. likely to channel surf when it's the Thursday night game instead of a game like on a on a on a on a on a Sunday or even a Monday. I mean, I know some football fans like to surf and you know, watch a little wrestling. You know, like it, it it maybe back when Thursday night football was on a different channel, maybe you're checking out a college game. So you're sitting there, you got it on Prime, you're not it's it's a lot harder to just channel surf. And so they've got you. Now the production was great, but they've got you. And they happen to open it up with just a terrific game and a terrific matchup. So uh Amazon was probably, you know, uh, Chiefs aside, I think Amazon was the biggest winner last night. It, it can be. Um I again, I, I do think just like anything else though, Scott, it, it's really um, on how you, you you consumed it. And what I mean by that is I think based off of your Internet um, speed and what you have, it's the experience you had. I saw a lot of people complaining about the lagging, the lip syncing, and all that, and that's just buffering and that is your upload and download speed. I mean, it, it literally is that simple. If you have um, a, a lot of pull on your, you know, on your stream. Oh, I got the Ethernet cord on have... the smart TVs, man. Just just right. go well, straight into thing. it. It's like um for me, it was it was clearer than what I watched on broadcast. Right. I think, to be honest with you. Now I have, you know I, I mean I have like the one thousand whatever, you know, thing of a you know, whatever. Then I have, you know, a fiber. So mine was perfect. I mean it was it was Anna actually made the comment. It was almost too bright, um, you know. So it, it was perfect. The sound, the quality, I mean, everything was fine for me. Now I can see if you don't have, you know, the, the higher end, why you would do that because it's just sort of like when you first click on it until it it catches up and it gets its settings and bearings on it where it's a little grainy and all that. But to your point, it, it is true. I mean, I. You know, I have to go to the app and do that, so I can't exactly channel surf or do all those other things. And I, I do wonder too, though, because like when the game started, I um, you know, it started with a seven twenty, and Carver goes to bed seven forty five, thinking be down for eight. You know, there was still a few minutes of bubble guppies going on, so I I started the game, Scott, on my phone. I was sitting next to him, and then once he went to bed, that's when I put it on on the TV. So from that aspect of it, it is interesting, and you know, it's 
I think that that we've talked about this, man, in the future with the Sunday ticket and what's coming. You know, it's 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 going to be like that where wherever you are, however you are, that's that's what you're going to see. And mo- most people now watch it on tablets, watch it on their TVs, like you said, stream it. And here's the other aspect of it too, man. You're enjoying a nice evening outside, whereas before you can't really watch cable or a game or whatever. If it's on there, and now now with your smart TVs that you can buy for nothing oh, yeah. that you throw out there. I watched it outside. Oh, I watched the second half outside it. last night. I yeah. feel like yeah. amongst this conversation, you, you pointing out, you know, the, the those that might have had issue with, you know, the Internet or streaming. It's like, is this when Amazon just later this year drops? Hey, we're, we're, we're going to start supplying the best, you know, fiber Internet everywhere. We're getting in on the Internet game and then. They will. They'll, they'll promote it by saying never have to buffer an NFL game again. Like maybe this is just part of their long. They pay sixty-seven million dollars a game, right, mm-hmm. to broadcast. I mean that's that's yeah. a lot. I mean that, that's going to be a higher budget than you know almost every TV show except for something that's maybe on Amazon like the Lord of the Rings series. But point is, man, that is. Um, that I thought I thought the quality was great. I thought that Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit were terrific. I thought that mm-hmm. Richard Sherman and Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, they were good. Everybody, you know, Gonzalez was okay, but, like, Carissa Thompson's great. Like, from a, a production standpoint, it felt to me, like, better than what we've seen on the NFL Network or it bouncing around from Fox one week, CBS the next, NFL Network yeah. only the next. It's just, I mean, I I get why somebody that's not as – uh, engaged in the internet on a daily basis, hates it. I get it. Sure. But, I mean, when you're getting, you know, billions to stream one game a week uh, and that's where yeah. everything's going, I certainly get why the it NFL's doing it and I get why Amazon's yeah. doing it. And they get to sit there and they get to promote all of their products throughout a broadcast where people are a lot less likely to channel surf than whenever they're watching it on regular TV. So, uh, well, a know, big win right. for uh, I, I don't know that we don't know the numbers yet. We don't know, and I don't even know if Amazon will even release well, them. But here's the, here's the other thing, Scott. Too that um, I don't know if you noticed when you go to it because hey, like you said, I mean, a lot of it is what what your habits are, what you're used to doing. And I know for people that are probably ten years younger than me, if not less, I mean, I I, I don't I can't remember the last time I had a conversation with somebody, whether it was a two lane women's basketball trip or or just normal people at the gym talking about Netflix, right? So people are already used to going to an app to do things. Hulu, one of the big things that people were complaining with the new Bally's um, yeah, deal right. is about, you know, the fact that it came off of Hulu and you can't watch it on YouTube TV. My, my brother-in-law literally on, let's say Friday, on Wednesday dropped cable and joined YouTube TV using Verizon internet. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's what's happening, you know, all around now. And I think one of the things that you see is um, just the habits are going to be changing. Like, you know, you, you and I both have young kids, so I, I don't know what it's like to go an entire day where I don't turn on my Apple TV and, you know, pull yeah. up Disney Plus or Paramount Plus or you know, Bro, that's all. That's I mean, all I we have in my house. That's I mean, all I, I, do. I I cut the cord. I never watch back. regular TV. I, right. I cut the cord whenever COVID hit, um, and right. live sports went away, and I never went back. And I'm still able to watch everything I need to watch. But right. I, you know, 
you know, and I and I will be watching the Saints this Sunday. Although Gus, man, I mean, I'm going to have to. So I got two more weeks of the daughter soccer, right? And uh, last week I was I, I was I went did the soccer thing. It's right during the game. I turned my phone off completely, despite the fact that I keep mm-hmm. tra- check you know keep tabs on my blood sugar as a type one diabetic on my phone. I was like, nope, nope, I'm turning it off because it's going to get spoiled. You know, there's like one or two people I'm talking to at the game. I'm like, don't tell me anything. Like, okay, we won't, you know. And then one guy, a friend of mine's like, oh, dude, Scott, I, ju- I just checked the score. And he had this sour look on his face. I'm like, what are you, like, don't. He's like, I'm not going to tell you. I'm like, you don't have to. You just told me with your body language. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then I found out it was only halftime. And then I went home. So I, you know, I, I got the sense that it wasn't looking good at half. But I watched the game. And, you know, I didn't have time to sort of process between all the craziness, like, you know, the the amount of time a regular viewer would, because I'm just fast-forwarding to the next play. So it all happened so quick, and I was, I mean, it was, it went from, you know, pain, pain, every, all over, just pain, agony, you know, just, just, just anger, frustration, to just complete euphoria, to just humor, laughing at the Falcons. Like, it was, it had, it had a little bit of everything, um, and I know, you know, we've kind of put that one behind us. What I want to ask you as we segue into the Saints now, Gus, and, and I try not to get spoiled again this Sunday, what what from last week, in your opinion, is the number one thing on the list? Because there's a lot, but the number one thing on the list the Saints absolutely must improve on to start 2-0 and this week. I mean, that's an easy one, and that's one that I'm sure everyone feels um, and that's one way, shape, or form, protection and a quicker start, right? And the reason why I say that is it was interesting to me the last two days when you hear guys in the locker room afterwards talking about practice. Um, it, it was interesting listening to Pete Carmichael yesterday. He said, you know, out of the four sacks, they only gave three explanations, but he said one one was on protection, one was on a running back, and one was on the quarterback. And you know, Dennis Allen on Monday said that he thought Jameis held it uh, onto it one or two times more than he should have. That said, he said the protection was something that had to change. And, you know, I, I think what was interesting is you heard, you know, Winston after the game kind of mentioned it as well, that he thought that it was a situation that he had some, some worries about the first game, whether it was, jitters, whether it was, you know, working together. And, you know, it's something that I guess can easily be forgotten, right? But it legitimately was the first time those 11 players took a snap together when they opened up the game. I mean, it's the first time all five offensive linemen had played in in, in a preseason game. It was the first time that, you know, because James Hurst didn't. So, uh, because remember, Penning got hurt you know, in that Chargers game. So when you take a look at uh, all that, Michael Thomas didn't play. I mean, uh, literally all of those guys had not played together in a game. So trying to get their timing down and all of that. And um, I I, I just, I also think too, when it comes to Jamison, whether he was holding the ball or, you know, not making the decision, I felt like literally, and I might have touched on it with you when I was, um, you know, uh, talking to you on Wednesday, I said, I-, I felt like I spent most of my show talking about Jameis Winston and, you know, defending him or just really just talking about his play. 
And, uh, you know, I had people call, say, he's a bottom-tier quarterback. And I'm like, look, if he doesn't hold on to that ball and he throws it under duress and pressure and he's throwing three or four picks, Scott, what's, what's our shows this week? You know? So I, I, I think when you have an entire season last year of him, you know, being told by Sean Payton, don't, you know, commit turnovers, don't make mistakes, don't do all these different things, and and he's trying not to do that again here. And literally on some of those sacks, you, you see two black jerseys coming right up the middle after he snaps the ball. I mean, it was it was insane because I'm watching that game, and I know while you're doing the soccer thing, I'm sitting going, did this team practice? And then I went, oh, yeah, right. They, they actually haven't. They haven't really yeah. you know played together that much. So I, I think – what I took out of it more than anything else, though, man, was good teams find ways to win and bad teams find ways to lose. I mean, that's, that's just proven truth in sports. And the Falcons found a way, you know, 31 fumbling the snap. Mariota had the first It was down. so funny. I mean, it was you so know, funny. What, what, the why, ball, why are they not I mean, giving the ball to Patterson there, by the way? Like, yeah. No. I, he he again, was laughing at the end bro. of the game. Patterson was, but not yep. like a happy laugh, like a, like just a sad, like, really, you know, like this – it's when you're yeah. having a terrible day, everything's going wrong. Your kid's not behaving. You know, you, you, you the, the, the eggs fall out of the fridge, they break, yeah. and you're just angry. And then all of a sudden, you know, when when another bad thing happens, at you reach a point where you're just you're just giggling. You're like, this is this is ridiculous. Like, what's what's even happening here? This is absurd. You know, and that's that's what it that's what he was feeling as the Saints jumped on their field and celebrated everywhere. Um, and then their head coach goes off on the media afterwards about how everyone already wrote their obituary. Bro, you've been there for yeah. one year. You won what four games last year? Like you don't you don't get My to burst in and, and criticize the media yeah, for doubting beautiful. your team whenever they're yeah, whenever they're. I mean, they're the Falcons. They're they figured out ways to right. just for for years. Gus, they had the edge. The Saints won the first game ever in the history of the series in 1967, and then the Falcons won ten in a row. And then the Falcons won a whole bunch, and the Saints would lose in agonizing fashion and on Hail Marys and in all these crazy ways. And, you know, in the last 16 years, the Falcons have won a few, no doubt, but the Saints have won the majority. And now the regular season series is tied all time. The Falcons only have a one-game edge in the series all time. I, I just mm-hmm. I just wish that that Trevor Simeon game last year, the Saints had managed to pull it off and not give up that big play to Patterson late so they could have the all-time edge, but... It was uh, it was fun, but obviously there's a lot to clean up. So you said number one on the list for you is is the O line. I'm gonna go on the other side. I'm gonna go on the D line because there was no pressure at all on Mariota. There was no push from yeah. the D line, and yeah. this is a team in the, the Saints. Gus, end position was it was bad. I, and, and 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 this is look. This is a team that has unless they're playing the Eagles, the Saints have been the best team in the NFL against the run. And Atlanta ran all over them. And I'm looking at Tampa last week against Dallas, and they're running for net. They're running the ball. What? Why have the Saints stomped Tom Brady the last four times they played him in the regular season? Even in the playoff loss, go look at Brady's numbers. They weren't great. It's because they've been able to get a push on defense from the interior and on the outside and pressured him. And when they get in his face, like you could, I mean, nine nothing last year. It felt like fifty to nothing because they couldn't even get in the red zone. Tampa Bay's offense, and it really. It starts and ends to me with that defensive line 
getting in Brady's face. And when you get in his face early and you have a consistent pass rush and you're knocking him down, that's how you beat him. That's been the biggest key to it. Now he's making more mistakes. Now he's not just doing whatever he wants. And you didn't see any of that last week. So, you know, it it was troubling week one to see, you know, the Saints not win the game in the trenches. Still somehow win the game because the Falcons falconed it up. But that that's the area that if you want to see a big jump in, from week one to week two, you say O-line, I say D-line. And I think I think they're going to need it in both areas if if they want to keep doing what they've done against Tampa as of late, and that's beat them. I do. And I, I guess the reason I didn't go and start there is just two things that pop in my head about why. And I think first and foremost, it's that type of offense, right? I mean, they've struggled with it. I mean, they I only want to think about that Eagles game last year. I remember, you know, putting up the decorations, you know, in the house. And I was like, yeah, well, this will be easy. I mean, I had the TV outside, Scott, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, the HD antenna. And I'm like, well, that game's over with. I mean, in the first quarter, <laughs> they couldn't stop anybody. And, and uh, I was like, okay, well, that, that game stinks. But they struggle. They, for some reason, you know, it's sort of like with Sean. There's sometimes he overthought the room. You can see it. I think with Dennis Allen, and he even said it going into the the game against the Falcons. He mentioned the time that he went to Alabama and asked Nick Saban about how you stop zone read. So this is a man that's trying to look for the answers. And and you know, in, in the sound bite from last week was Saban asked him which one. There's three of them. And he goes, well, we only really seen one in the NFL. So. Maybe he saw a little bit more, you know, into it. And, and look, and Dennis Allen on Monday said he needed to be in a better rhythm and he needed to do those things better and stuff. Again, that's the first time of him head coaching, being the coordinator, you know, whereas maybe in the past, Scott, while the offense was on the field, he could sit and look at pictures and talk to defensive players, talk to his coaches. He can't do that now. You know, he's dependent on the other two guys. He's calling the plays, but – you know, the second the defense comes off the field, it, it, he's focusing on the rest of the game, being the head coach. So I think there was an adjustment uh, to that. And uh, But I think it's that style of offense. You know, it, it it's the perfect offense to run against a good defensive front. A, they can't really do what they do best, and that's pass rush. You know, and you're right, you didn't see pressure, but, Scott, they really didn't throw the ball. And when they did, he was rolling. He was play actioning. He was misdirecting. He was going, started left with a step, and then he'd roll right and dump it quickly. So very little did you see Marcus snap the ball, wait for a route to develop and throw it. You just never saw it. You brought up Cordero Patterson. He'd start on the left side, he'd hand it off to him, coming in motion. Or So as a defensive end and defensive tackle, you were probably being attacked from every different angle and you really can't go forward if that makes any sense to you this week you're not going to see that tom brady is not i mean the 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 closest offense that i think is non-zone readish that does a good job in moving the pocket at least against the saints have been green bay and i brought that up before the times that the saints have played them they roll the pocket with uh, with um with rogers he does a good job of starting one way and then moving the other way. Tampa can try to do some of those things. They can give the end around to Julio. They can try to do that in emotion. Tom Brady's not doing that. So this week, which is why I didn't start with it, is 
you're, you're not going to see that. It's going to be more traditional. Here comes Fournette, stop him. Here comes a play action. Here comes a drop back pass. You know, I mean that that's what you're going to see this week. Now, I don't know if that bodes well for the Saints based on what you saw in week number one, Scott, because you do have a couple of running guys coming, whether it's Arizona, you know, Jalen Hurts on New Year's Day, which is a while away. But so all that is point one, is that it's it's a different offense that they, they normally see. And you know what, let's be honest. That was their Super Bowl. They had all offseason knowing who the opponent was to plan and to have a game plan against the Saints, and they still found a way to lose. Point two is I really think other than last year historically, Scott, for some reason, Dennis Allen's defenses start slow. I mean, I, you remember when Tom was with the Patriots when they came here? Remember? I mean, it's like the first two games, the Saints defense, whether it's communication on the back end or – there's no pass rush. Ken Jordan starting slow. All these things. Then by week three or four, they become a dominant bunch. So, yeah, you're right. I you know, think I, I think I, the the few exceptions you look at is the few exceptions to your point make sense because I agree with you. Like last year, it made sense that they were great week one because that team had been together for like five straight weeks because of the hurricane. I mean, they were they were literally living with one another out of a hotel. They were always together. They were practicing a ton. I mean, Sean Payton yeah. even alluded to the fact that, like, you know, it, it's hard, but it's kind of good at this time of year to have everyone together. So they were, like, super prepared. The year before, you know, they they handled the Bucks week one, but, like, no one was – it was a level playing field as far as who practiced or played so much in the preseason because no one had a preseason because it was the COVID year. Mm-hmm. So you go back to 2019 – Slow start. They managed to get by 2018. You know, they give up 48 to Ryan Fitzmagic. And the next week they struggle to a bad Browns team. I mean, it, it, you, it, it's true. I mean, this team is rusty and somehow they managed to still win. But hopefully a lot of that rust got knocked off last week because, you know, this in the grand scheme of a whole season, you got 17 games. Oh, it's just one game. You have a chance to not just be 2-0, but 2-0 in the division. And um, and 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 continue to hand Tom Brady regular season L's, which I know they enjoy. So, I it's it's a major game, and I think if they don't get it done in the uh, trenches, they're they're the, the Bucks are not the Falcons, right? If the Saints get beat in the trenches, they're not winning this game. If they can improve there, I think a lot of the other stuff continues to open up, and you know, interceptions, sacks, that's going to be the big key to this game. And if the Saints are zero and zero in that department, they're. They're not going to win. If they have a couple of numbers there, then it's going to be a long day for Tampa Bay. Uh, I agree. And I think, you know, the, the, the thing that's interesting is you always wonder how much is being talked about it and how much it can help. Look, man, they, they've not hidden, you know, from it, right? I mean, you go back to Sunday night's win in Dallas and Tom Brady in the post-game interview is mentioning the lack of success against the Saints and that he's turned his attention towards that. Um, you go to the locker room on Wednesday, the first time that media members can go in there with, with the Bucks, And, I mean, twisting worse like it's not a rivalry. They've won six or seven. You know, coaches told us about that on Monday about it. Um, Carlton Davis, you know, like, you're going to have to throw. We're ready. And we're like, we have to change things up. Like, every single one of their players has mentioned it or talked about it. So, they ready, you know, and, and you, you could almost look at it like you, you, you could almost maybe psych yourself up too much on it. You wonder about that, but 
you know, I, I think at the end of the day, one of the other things that stood out, Scott, is the Saints did not match the intensity, I thought, at the start of the game that Atlanta came out with, you know, and maybe you had that, that momentum, you know, if Lutz doesn't miss that field goal, Atlanta goes, oh, no, here we go again, but he doinks that left upright, and they felt like they had some life in them, even though, because, like, those, those Taysom Hill runs, I mean, you're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. We weren't even talking about Taysom at quarterback. Then they go right down the field and make those plays. And and um, so I, I think that's the thing that's going to be interesting to me is can, can they come out and match? Now, it, it does help to have the game here in the Dome and, and, and get that crowd going for you. But, you know, I asked this uh, – Yesterday, I think a little bit, maybe even to you too. Like, what do you do if you're Tampa and you win the toss? Do you go for it? I mean, do you take the offense um, to try to set the tone and say, look, you know, this is not the same success you're going to have, but risk maybe you go three and out and get the Saints going? Or do you put your defense out there, Scott, and, you know, and, and try to see if you can, you know, get the Saints on their heels? Because I'll tell you what, I, there's no way that I'm not starting that game by blitzing darn near every play, right? I mean, I, I'm going to see if the Saints can stop my blitzing. And that's what, you know, Bowles does anyway. So I, I – but if I'm Tampa, I'm trying to get a quick three and out, and Tom's starting on, you know, the Tampa 47. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So I, I think that's the thing that's going to be interesting to me is there's some chess matches. I think there's a lot of emotion that's going to be involved on the game on Sunday. And, and who controls that the best, you know? I mean – they had a relatively easy game against the Dallas team that, you know, it, it is what they were. And you had a Saints team that was dead. And they remained calm. They made plays. And they showed that they, they could overcome a lot. Injuries, slow start, deficit. So I, I kind of like the fact that that game happened before Tampa. Because I don't know if you're going to see anything Sunday they didn't really go through in week one already. I hope that, that ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports, Gus Kattengill, our guest, for a few more minutes. I hope that Pete Carmichael's, you know, I know he's got his, his play sheet ready for the first 15 plays on offense. I hope yeah. he isn't trying to design any plays that take a while to develop. You know, wait wait until a little later in the game, and, and, and like you said, be prepared for a lot of blitzing. And, and play that way. But don't be so stubborn that if it ain't working and you're trying to do all this stuff and, well, we're just going to worry about us. No, nah, you know, play to the opponent. Do what you're supposed to do. But I think I think whoever wins the toss, they got to defer because you want to test, you know, obviously you want the two for one, but you want to – the other argument is let's test out the D-line because they, uh, they couldn't do anything last week. So, you know, um, let's see what they can do this week. Or let's test out the O-line. Let's do this. I I think you always defer, but – if they win, the, if Tampa wins the toss and they and they receive, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give my I'm well I'm gonna be watching on delay anyway, but I'm gonna be thinking of you, Gus. I'm gonna be yep. You know what he he called it there. Um, all right, uh, what what do you think Monday's headline is gonna read about this game? What tell me tell me it's kind of that's another way of saying what's your prediction for this one? Uh, I, I I mean the first thing that popped in my head when you were saying that is bucked again. You know say. Ah, okay. You know, uh, again, I I just honestly think, Scott, um, what you saw there at the end, because I I, I mentioned it, you know, full disclosure for your audience, 
you know, Scott comes on our show on Wednesday and, and I, I dreaded it. I told him, I was like, you know what? I, I was going to like call in sick or act like I forgot you. Cause I knew you were going to give it to me. You're like, where's this great offense? Where's this defense? I didn't know. I where's didn't. I was very, I was very objective. I was very reserved. I didn't see. Well, you couldn't because you saw it in the fourth quarter. So I mean, <laughs> that's, that's how I said it to Scott. I'm like, well, at least you did. Get I wasn't going to do that. I, you see, look, when you come into my house, you're like, you're like oh, Rick James. You're putting your feet all over the couch. When I go into oh, your I house am. on Wednesdays, I am yeah. respectful. I am respectful. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking yeah, my I'm shoes listening. off. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm, if you offer me a drink, I'll mm-hmm. take it. But I'm not, I'm not yeah, going to go sure. in there and just, you know, throw my feet on the couch everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that still is one of the greatest sets oh, of man. teams. Cocaine, cocaine's really a hell of a drug, is. man. Cocaine's Dude, a hell of a drug. I, you know, up until they did, like, when they said goodbye to him, right, and they, and they put them all together, because at first they were just, like, once every now and then, and it continued the series. But when they finally put, like, all seven, eight minutes together, that was literally the first time I heard it. I could never get through one episode, you know, when it would just do, like, the three-minute snippet, because I was laughing, so I didn't hear half of the things. Man, I didn't go put my feet on his couch. Yeah, I put my feet on his couch. <laughs> Rest in peace, Charlie Murphy, by the way, Eddie's brother, the great the Charlie Murphy. Where's the five fingers faded to face? That was one of my, my favorite ones. Where's the five fingers faded to face? Oh, I love it. I love it. But, um, look, I, I, like, here's what I think. I, I, I think what you see is, again, matchups. And it's something that I've brought up this week, and, and – you know, we've talked about it already this morning, Scott. We've talked about the emotion, the coaches. And, look, a lot of people are focusing on Pete and, and, and Dennis. You know, this is the first Bucks game for, you know, Todd and Byron, head coach and offensive coordinator now, to, to kind of be in this here as well. But does Byron Leftwich call a different game than Bruce Arians facing the Saints? Does he try to, you know, try different things that haven't worked or something? So, and and what's that relationship like? I mean, we – Last saw in a regular season game, Tom break the tablet, right? I mean, Tom's angry. Tom didn't get the 20. So how is his relationship with Byron Leftwich? And I think that's the thing that was interesting. I They failed to get in the end zone a lot last week. And, look, here's just a fact. I mean, I do think you're going to see some of these guys play, but Chris Godwin didn't practice this week. I, I I, I don't see him playing Sunday with a hamstring where he didn't practice Wednesday and Thursday. He could. They could be rusting him, but it's sort of like with Alvin Kamara. You go from limited to the DNP on Thursday. I, I need him the, the remaining 15 weeks. It stinks that he has a bit of a rib. It stinks that he's not going to play here at home against Tampa. I need him the rest of the season. That's an injury that's got to heal. If not, he's going to deal with it all year, right? So, you know, but Deshaun Jackson has a calf muscle. It's been wrapped all week, and he probably play and go, sure. But, Scott, talk to people that run. I mean, whether it's, you know, jogging, playing football, that calf muscle, you know, it's, it's tender at, at, at best, and it can get hurt if it plays further. Leonard Fournette, you know, has a, has a hammy. So they, they're banged up, and they're – Left tackle has a hyperextended elbow. Now, you can put a brace on there and everything, but that should help Marcus Davenport if it is against them. I, I just think, again, matchup-wise, they're going to be overcoming on offense. Can't say – I'm not saying it can't, 
But then you turn to the other side of the football. What I'm really interested in is how do they match up with the Saints offense? And even if it's not Alvin Kamara there, you know, I, I just think Devin White, Levante David, and some of these other guys, it just can't focus on one guy anymore. And that's what I'm curious about. I know Colton Davis is saying, throw it. Gotcha. But who is it going to? You know, is it Landry who made a ridiculous catch in, 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 in traffic? You saw Michael Thomas when it just clicked. Just it, it doesn't matter if he's covered. And it's what I've been telling you about Olave. You know, Ross Jackson tweeted last week uh, or earlier in the week the pro football focus stat that out of everybody in the NFL, he, he was averaging four yards of separation. The average for the rest of the NFL was three. The guy's good. And he's, and he's going to be really good. So, you know, and again, I, I was shocked by, by Taysom Hill, but he, like, disappeared in the second half. So, again, I think that's Pete trying – that was his first game with all of these weapons. How do I include it? I just think at the end of the day, you know, bucked up once again. I, I just I, – I, I think there's too many weapons on offense for Tampa to have to try to stop all the time. And, you know, what we've talked about, all these other playmakers on defense for the Saints to make a play, P.J. Williams got a pick six on Tom Brady last year. So the Saints defense knows the scheme. I know it's a new play caller. It's the personnel. It's less of the personnel than when they last faced them because a lot of these guys are hurt. So, you know, in that Tampa game, Fournette wasn't playing. Godwin wasn't playing. So I I think that's kind of more like what I'm going to see on Sunday. That's just my my gut. There's a lot of starters for the Bucs that aren't playing. And – you can maybe get by that on a Dallas team that's not moving the football and going three and out and their defense is on the field a lot. I don't know if you can be able to do that with the Saints. Gus the Saints should score. The Saints should score. Yeah, as, as long as they have some protection. Um, but, well, you know, yeah. last thing, I was talking to Jake DeLome yesterday, and he's the color analyst for the Panthers, and he's, you know, he played in the league, and he just. He said, I said, look, with, with everyone taking a different approach to preseason, when, when can you actually get a feel for who's who in the league? And he said, honestly, I, I, I think somewhere, but, you know, week five or six. He said that first wow. month, man, there's, you know, especially the approach to preseason now. And, you know, he's, he's look, he played it. He's like, I haven't been in the league in 10 years. A lot has changed over 10 years. I mean, the, the you know, less padded practices, all of that. And he said it just – once you get to five or six, that's when you really start to see the personality of teams. He's like, you know, you, you kind of start to see it develop here over the next few weeks, but don't make any rash decisions about anybody after the first few weeks. And I said, with respect, Jake, I'm still going to just make a rash decision about Atlanta and laugh at them for blowing leads, and that'll never change. Um, and, you know, he, he didn't give me any grief about that, but we'll see what happens. It's a huge game Sunday. Looking forward to it. Gus Kattengill has been our guest. Follow him on Twitter at GCAT underscore one seven G K A T T underscore one seven. And um, in the meantime, my friend, look forward to talking to you next Wednesday. If you tweet, if you if you text me during the game Sunday, I won't get it. My phone's going to be off. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, all the best to your family, man. Have a great weekend. I won't. I promise. I, I won't do that. Believe me, I'm, I'm going to be in that dome and. Um, I, I'm hoping and excited for uh, another atmosphere. Here's the good thing about it, Scott. It's not that close to Christmas, which means a lot of fans won't sell their tickets. It's a point of contention with me. I, I get it. I understand you can make a lot of money, dude. 
uh, on selling your tickets the last couple of years, but it's been an issue. I have not felt like the dome is a true home field advantage. I mean, I'm, I'm interviewing. It really had been the last few years. That, dude, it's I'm true. Again, the I'm last few years, it hadn't been. Willie, you know, and then he's like, dude, you know, Manhattan, Kansas. Like, I, I'm hearing all these other great places where people are fanatical, and I'm just being honest. I mean, it, the Saints the last several years, because of their success, people have sold their tickets. And, look, you can do whatever you want with your tickets. Um, I just I, – I, I have not felt that team's fear going in there. I, you know, I, you don't see people worrying about the little ear things that Brett Favre got team color coordinated all purple for the NFC championship game. You know, it's like, you don't hear like back in the day, Michael Vick and others say, I, I get headaches when I go that. I, I just, you don't see that that much. You know, you don't see it where like when the saints go on the road at certain places and there's false starts because of the, the, the noise. I, that's where I think you'll see if it's an advantage. If you get a false start or two, and, and quite frankly, Scott, there should be, right? I mean, there there should be. You have a patchwork offensive line. There should be. I mean, there better be some false starts, some miscommunication, some noise issue. If Tom Brady doesn't grab both palms and cover his ear hold at some point in that game, shame on you who that. Gus, great stuff, and you're right. Gus Catgill has been our guest. Get loud. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at GCAT underscore one seven. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Have a great weekend. Sounds good, man. Always a pleasure. Take care, guys. You got it. That is Gus Catgill. We'll take a quick